God, anytime I do got my, have you ever done like guided meditation? I just did like, anytime I do guided meditation, I just cry so much. And I don't really, I don't really know why that is. And I'm recording this part already. So this will be a good one for the blooper reel. <laughs> I just cry. I cry so much. I was, I was just doing a guided meditation to every big Raquan Smith tackle. Um, that's not true. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we are going to start our first of three podcasts about the upcoming Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, granddiddy, grand, uh, grand, grand pippy. Because I really want any Oklahoma fans listening to this to really think that we're all just ignorant backwards bigots. Um, <laughs> but Oklahoma is like the Alabama of the South, so or of the Midwest, so it's like whatever. Um, I don't that know that's Kansas. To be true. I'm I'm just throwing out all these I dispersions. Don't I don't even know that. <laughs> So that's actually what we're going to do on this uh, episode. We're going to we're going to try to get to know know Oklahoma. I think that I think we both think that there's a tendency among many SEC fan bases to sort of treat new teams that are not in the SEC footprint kind of as though they're second rate to like they're the lesser. SEC powers, yeah. they're lesser. And I think that's well, one that goes against everything that we stand for in this brand in the sense that like we want to be rational. And mm-hmm. two, you know, it's just not, in this instance, it's actually just not true. So um, we're going to go through some historical data before or today. We're going to do a little bit of like just very basic stats work, but we're not going to give you the um, quite as much of just like the nitty gritty dive as you're used to, just because, you know, today um, today is really more about us just learning about where Oklahoma is and where they've come from and how they've gotten to where they are today. And then in our next episode next week, what we'll do is just really, really, really deep dive into the stats. But hopefully this will give everybody just like a pretty solid starting point for what what we know about Oklahoma football, what we can say about the history of Oklahoma football, what we can say about Oklahoma football this year, and some of the major players on the, um, that team. All right, so let's talk about Oklahoma and who they are as a team. So the win-loss record for Oklahoma as a program is 884 wins, 322 losses, and 53 ties. Um Thus far in the college football playoffs, they are 0-1. and one. They've only had one appearance in the last three years. Their bowl record before that in the BCS era was 29-20-1. and one. Uh, Pretty average, uh, so to speak. But, you know, that, that win-loss record on the very top is actually quite good. Yeah, um, it very much is. Which is pretty cool. We actually talked about World War II in one of our last couple episodes. What episode yeah. is that that we talked about? That was when we were talking about uh, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. That's right. Yeah, talking about Auburn. What I thought was really cool was uh, World War II, it cut a lot of programs out. So a lot of teams didn't even field football teams. Um, or a lot of programs didn't field football teams when World War II was going on because there weren't enough guys to even play the game. And so back in World War II, it, it's kind of used as kind of like a reference point as to before World War II and after World War II, kind of like an ADBC kind of gig. But since World War II, uh, speaking of, Oklahoma actually has the highest win percentage. It's at... Uh, 76%, right above 76% of all games they've played, they have won. And then mo- they have the most wins of any team at this point since World War II at 606. Yeah, and their 872 total actually puts them, um, let's see, eighth all-time mm-hmm. uh, overall wins. That would be yeah, this- seven spots ahead of Georgia at 15th. This is a very winning winning team. 
Yeah, the so most sort of the um, the arc of Oklahoma football sort of begins and ends in, well, I mean, they had like two or three really good coaches in a row, basically. Uh, Howard Schnellenberger was there, um, but he actually came there in 95, but their biggest, their biggest uh, winningest coach was Barry Switzer, who was there from 73 to 88. Switzer ran... Um, sort of a very famous he was very famous for running just like a really intense version of like this wing t option offense that just ran all over everybody um and he was he was i think he won two national championships there so he was um, they've they've won seven total yeah so he brought home two yeah so he was um he was eventually replaced by gary gibbs who wasn't there for very long and then you got haller schnellerberger was there for actually one year one season Um, yep which is like really hilarious. They finished five, five and one. And it was like basically the only time that Howard Schnellenberger was ever unsuccessful as a coach anywhere. And so, uh-huh. um, and you got a quote from him on here that I think is really funny. I, yeah, I really enjoyed learning about Howard, Howard Schnellenberger. Um, I, I didn't know much about him other than just a name I had heard, uh, in regards to just really great coaches in past college football, because as some of you may know, um, Howard Schellenberger made Miami into, he kind of put them on the path as to you know, what you can call Miami today. And the same with Louisville. Louisville wasn't as big as they were then as they are now, but he turned Miami into a national championship team. And uh, I think he won a national championship while he was there as well. But he got to Oklahoma after both of those. And he basically told, he was quoted as saying, they'll write books and shoot movies regarding my time spent here in Oklahoma. And he won uh, a quick three games and then had a terrible loss to Colorado at the time, who has never been like a national championship contender as we know. And they, they weren't then by any means either. And uh, soon after that, it just kind of spiraled out of control and ended, like you said, in a five, five and one season. He did also say, uh, I think what you just highlighted was that he walked in and said that he's going to make the Sooner nation forget all about Wilkinson and Switzer. Incredibly arrogant. Um, but I mean, the, I think the point of all of this history talk is just that this is definitely a coat or this is definitely a program that has had just as many famous coaches as, Georgia has um, their Vince. Du- they have a Vince Dooley. They have a Mark Richt. Actually, it really it really fits very nicely because they yeah, had they had sort of this Vince Dooley figure who was Switzer. They had a couple of guys who kind of flashed in the pan, and then they had Bob Stoops, who was Bob Stoops is, is basically just Mark Richt, but with a national championship. Like longtime yeah. guy, didn't have quite like the high character stuff that uh, Richt did, but you know by all accounts a decent dude. Um, other than the Joe Mixon thing, but um, he was, you know, he was a guy for who for a long time he was considered to be a really great offensive mind and a big game coach, and he got them to the national championship. But then he sort of like it used to be, you know, at the beginning of his career, his nickname was Big Game Bob because he was good in the big games, and by the end of his career, his nickname was like sarcastically Big Game Bob, um, and he definitely kind of, you know, he left on better terms than Rick did. He got he retired, he didn't get fired, but um, there was definitely there had been rumors sort of through his last five or six seasons about, you know, discontent with the fan base, which is really, really ridiculous because he was winning them like 10 games a year. But what is really interesting, I was actually talking to a friend. I told you this off air. Uh, I have a friend named Brandon that I work with who is an OSU alum, which uh, OSU by his standards is Oklahoma State. He was talking a lot about Oklahoma. And one of the things he said was that Bob Stoops is very much still involved mm-hmm. just behind the scenes. Because, That's my like understanding said, too, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of discontent with the fan base. And the only way for him to remain involved was for him to step away from the limelight and not be the head coach any longer. Yeah, I mean, and and like my understanding also was that he was the kind of guy that, you know, he was the kind of dude who was willing, who wanted to have a life after football, who was interested in things, who had sort of more of a personality than your average 
sort of Saban disciple coach who just works until they die. A little more historically, Bob Snoops wins the national title in 2003. He hires Lincoln Riley. You say Ridley, but that's not, definitely not his name. His name's Lincoln. Ridley. His, oh name, his, his name is Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Yeah. So, um, whoops. Lincoln Riley gets hired in. Um, he Lincoln Riley is actually uh, 35. He's born in 1983. Yeah, he's young. yeah or 34 right now. Um, and he was the he was the offensive coordinator starting in 2015 uh for oklahoma and he was it was pretty clear that he had won the Broyles award already um Mm -hmm. but and so it was kind of clear that he was going to be the head coach in waiting but no one really expected it to be as soon as this year but i mean so far he's gone 12 and 1 he looks by all accounts that uh the offense really hasn't missed a step at all um he it was actually really interesting he played he played at texas tech as a walk-on um and actually Lincoln Riley did, yeah. He played at Texas Lincoln Tech. Lincoln Riley a, did, too? Yeah, he played quarterback at Texas Tech as a walk-on. What? And he actually backed up Texas Tech's current coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, he is from the Mike Leach, Hal Mummy spread tree that we talked about, I think, before the SEC championship a little bit. Uh-huh. And he was uh, he came back to Texas Tech as a um, grad assistant, and then he was the wide receivers coach. And then after Leach got – after Leach left – and well got fired from texas tech he went to um east carolina with ruffin mcneil ruffin mcneil uh was another sort of famous spread disciple so he's definitely lincoln riley is definitely a guy who has and even also working under stoops he's worked under some really 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 good offensive minds and it really shows like uh we'll talk about this more next week but his the the offensive pedigree of this um the offensive pedigree of this coaching staff is um, unquestionable. And also, I mean, just the, the depth and width of this offense is uh, incredibly impressive, um, which I think, you know, we'll get more, we'll get more into that when we get to the actual stats. Um, so he, this yeah, is, for real. this kind of gets us back to this day. So they are 12 and one this year. They're only lost to Iowa state in the house of horrors. That is Abe's Iowa for some reason. Uh, let's see. I mean, I guess, you know, now is probably so a good time to talk about Baker Mayfield. Yeah. We, I mean, we've, we've kind of given a, a quick, kind of glance over the past what 110 years 120 years for oklahoma but um that kind of gets us up to today and the reason why i was so surprised about the texas tech thing and uh lincoln riley playing at texas tech was that the same exact thing happened to baker mayfield baker mayfield is actually the first ever true freshman to walk on and start for a bcs team in their season opener and that bcs team was texas tech which is pretty neat uh baker mayfield is kind of neat it was really fun learning about him because I, I learned a lot of crazy things that have happened in his last five years as a football player, uh, both on and off the field, just how many things have happened to him behind the scenes and how he's gotten to where he is. And it's kind of, if I were not a Georgia fan about to play, you know, rooting for a team that's about to play this team that is led by Baker Mayfield, I'd probably have a lot of respect for him for some things, but also he's kind of a tool. So uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really love him yeah. until we played him. You know, until we played him. Yeah, there are some things that I'm like, really? come on. And, and it's just kind of one of those things that I think just anybody that goes from uh, to take a, a page right out of Hercules from zero to hero, it's going to go to your head when it's that quickly. But well, I mean, yeah, and, and we we can get into his playing style, too, because I mean, that I think that his sort of wrestling heel persona is really part of how he plays. He's um He's definitely not one of these guys who's just going to aw shucks you and be really calm and aw, just talk about how good the team is. And I mean, I'm not saying he's not a good leader. He certainly is. But by all yeah. accounts, this is a guy that is not afraid to talk trash. He's not afraid to. Not at all. 
um you know make gestures or whatever i mean the crotch grab thing <laughs> it the fact that the crotch grab thing became a story is stupid because like they tried to goad him kansas did which was stupid and then they goaded him and then kansas and then you know uh oklahoma kind of ran away with it he didn't play very well in that game but oklahoma ran away with that game yeah um but man he's good too though he's, he's had so an good. incredible statistical season so yeah i mean whatever you think of his um whatever you think of his behavior i mean here's his here's his stat line for the year uh, yeah. 262 completions on 369 attempts for a 71% completion rate, 4,340 yards, 41 touchdowns, five interceptions, 21 sacks, 5.4% sack rate, 10.8 yards per attempt. So that is that is a staggeringly good stat line. That is that oh, is incredible. video game highlights. Yeah, 41 <laughs> touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, is I, he's truly he's truly like truly a master of this game at the college level and and there's no doubt about it he can move well he actually um scrambles around a little bit he doesn't get sacked very often for someone who i mean a five percent sack rate for someone who throws so much is actually really not that bad on the year if you take out he's he's got 450 yards in the season yeah he's got 447 yards five touchdowns 65 rushes um 6.9 yards for rush so i mean he's kind of got that uh that sort of white guy quarterback game or whatever he can run around a little bit you know definitely you know, I think it's important to note that this this Baker Mayfield. We're going to talk about sort of the historical comparisons for this game, but one difference between this game and any other game that uh, Georgia has played over the last few years is that I'd, it's unlikely that we will that we have played a better quarterback than this since Cam Newton. Um, so it, I think it's important to think about this as to, I think it's important to, th- to keep that in mind when we're kind of just assessing and prognosticating for this game because having a quarterback at this level who plays with this kind of just finesse and poise and uh, maturity is a really rare thing in college football and playing against it is an even rare thing. And so I think we have to sort of go into this, taking this game seriously, which of course we are, but also taking what it means, like what the Oklahoma brand means, what this Oklahoma football team means seriously going in. But also as a fan base, we need to be taking it very seriously. You just say we, and I want to make sure that everybody knows that includes a fan base as well. That's just important that we take it seriously. And don't, don't talk trash. You know what I mean? Like it's not—it's not like he, they need the motivation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like let's just go out there and. <laughs> I mean, a you know that our team's not going to talk trash, and b if their team does, so what? Let's just beat them. So uh, a further reference point that we could actually draw onto uh, regarding this game that's coming up. Kind of talking back, you were actually a Georgia fan. I was not a Georgia fan at the time, but looking back on old games, this reminds me of uh, the Hawaii offense back in 2005, that random year that Hawaii was just really good at football. But Hawaii to this day still holds the record for most yards per play in a season. That's 8.58, and Oklahoma this year is running at 8.44 yards per play. Yeah, which is just it's staggering, incredible, (laughs) an incredible achievement. And that does actually come fairly considerably from baker mayfield i would say right now he's operating at 10.8 yards per attempt on um just passing downs passing stats that's just per attempt sure but that's still pretty staggering as well like he's thrown enough and he's thrown uh, enough explosive plays to to meet that stat i mean and i think that in some ways the oklahoma comparison is is a good one to make only in the sense that you know this is an incredibly formidable offense or the hawaii comparison rather um, only in the sense this this is a formidable offense, but you know, do, us making that comparison, don't let it cloud your judgment as to that we think that the result is going to be the same. Um, no. The difference between Hawaii and Oklahoma is that Hawaii got that schedule playing basically no one, and Oklahoma mm. uh, beat everybody in the Big Twelve other than Iowa State. So, 
you know, in that sense, um, it is not, it is only helpful in the sense for you to think about how successful this offense has been against a much harder schedule on the year. Much more difficult schedule. They've played just as many ranked opponents as we have. They've played as many unique ranked opponents as we have ranked opponents because we played Auburn twice. So it's, it's hard to say that we've played four ranked opponents, even though we have, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, and if you know, I think now is a pretty good time to look down their schedule. Um, yeah, and if and if you look at it, it's actually pretty impressive. They're they're twelve and one. Um, they uh, they only have one loss to uh, Iowa State, thirty eight thirty one, which was in week what one two three four five week five, the first week in October. Um, but you know, if you look at their percentile performances, it's actually pretty impressive off, um, offensively, especially, uh, 90, 72, 96, 97, 74, 71, 82, 88, 93, 78, 79, 96, 71. And in fact, their, um, their low on the year was, uh, actually not the game that they lost. They had a 71% uh, against Texas and against, uh, TCU, probably the two best defenses they played, uh, the problem is, and the reason that they lost the, the Iowa State game, is if you look over on the other side, their defensive percentile ranks have been kind of abysmal this year. So 77, that's good, against UTEP. 65 against Ohio State, that's okay. Um, Tulane, 85. Baylor, 26. They won that game 49-41. Uh, Iowa State, 32. They lost. Texas, 67, which is basically why they won 29-24. Kansas State, 16. They still won 42-35. Texas Tech, 34. That was a win. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, 12. That was also a win, 62-52. TCU, 53% percentile. Uh, Kansas, 95% percentile against Kansas. Wah, wah. Poor Kansas. Um, (laughs) West Virginia, 57%. And then TCU, 73%. So this is a team that has been a couple of times let down by their defense. And the offense has had to definitely pick the slack up in return. Most definitely. Yeah, this is and this is something I think we've talked very briefly about is that it is a lopsided kind of battle, this offense defense. Um, and yeah. I think that's pretty well known is that this offense is the most efficient. Uh, it's the most explosive offense out there, but it is a somewhat below average defense at the end of the day. And we can kind of take talk down the five factors if you'd like in a moment. Um, but also just to give you a, a bigger overview of the S&P plus rankings right now, their offense is the number one ranked by S&P Plus um, offense in the league, and it's the 95th by defense. Yeah. It's pretty rough. But 95 is is really bad. It's pretty bad, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, by comparison, like, if we just super, super good radio right here, but hold on. So they're the 95th ranked defense, and let let me look Mm. at this. So accepting Samford um, this year, because we don't have an S&P Plus rank for them because they're not a D1 school, App State finished the year ranked 36 on defense. Uh, Notre Dame finished the year ranked 30th on defense. This is all by S&P Plus raw ranks. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State was ranked 20th. Um, let's see. Tennessee was ranked 69th. Tennessee was ranked 69th on defense. Just I just Vanderbilt was ranked 68th. Missouri was ranked 93rd. So not even Missouri has a worse defense on the year than Oklahoma does. And this is kind of, I'm kind of tipping my hand a little bit on what I think about this game, but I just think it's an important thing to look at. Florida was ranked 56th. Florida, a team that we, that scored 42 points, that we scored 42 points on pretty easily and just named the score. South Carolina, 46. Auburn, 5. Kentucky, 102. Georgia Tech, uh, 67. And 
Auburn again, five. So on the year, uh, Georgia has only played one team that statistically had a worse defense from Oklahoma, than Oklahoma, and that was Kentucky. So uh, I don't want to get too and, deep into the weeds on this, but I think that bodes well for us in some ways. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, it definitely bodes well, I would say. But also it's it's worth noting that with an offense as efficient as theirs, it almost you're going to have matter. your defense. It almost doesn't matter, yeah. like yeah. It, it doesn't matter not only because they're going to be scoring a lot more, but also their offense is going to be on the field a lot less, which puts yeah. our offense on the field more, yeah. which our offense can be fairly efficient, but I think that it's going to be tough. I don't know. It's so weird to see, like to think that this could be a shootout. I don't remember the last game that we had like a true shootout. I mean, maybe I mean, it's been Missouri. A while. I mean, Missouri was for a minute, but you have to go all the way back to like the Tennessee game last year or something for a real, mm-hmm. an honest God, like, like a honest God, like slobber knocker back and forth or whatever. Um, but also, our our offense is not built for that. Our defense yeah. is. Our defense. I'm I'm really excited to see what our defense can do against the best ranked offense in the league. But I'm also, you know, we can become scared about it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Is there any other like public service announcement that we need to do? Oh, you know what? We need. We got to talk about Boomer Sooner. So, um, the mascots, the mascot for the Oklahoma are the Sooners, which is named after. Do you know the story of the Sooners? Do you know what that the whole thing is? No. Okay, so, um. It refers to the uh, land run of 1898, so, uh-huh. or, or sorry, 1889, in which land north of the modern university was settled. Boomers were people who were um, campaigning for, like, basically lands, federal land to be open for settlement or whatever after the passage, after basically um, Indians were moved off of their land in Oklahoma. There was a big group of people that wanted that land opened up for settlement and, uh, Sooners were the land thieves who went in before that land was like officially, um, given out to people and like just claimed it for themselves. So (laughs) Boomer Sooner, which is the fight song of the university is actually named after a horrible criminal land grab, uh, you know, based on the dispossession of the native peoples, the indigenous people of, uh, the North American continent. So yeah, good job. Yep. So Boomer Sooner is also the fight song, and it there are there's like a, two chords in Boomer Sooner, and they play it a lot. They play it like I would say like Rocky top levels. If you want to think about it like that that level. Hold on, I can't. I have to. I'm pulling up a video of it because I can't remember how it goes. Hold on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's this one. So Boomer Sooner, the whole song is just that's the whole thing. And then they pause and look around at each other like, hey, are we going to play it? Yes. And they just like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do now? And it's just like over and over again. And I mean, I'm not even, that's not even like me knocking their band in any way because, like, you know, bands are kind of slaves to what they are told to play by the university or whatever to some extent. So it's just kind of like that's just their thing is they play Boomer Sooner a lot. Um, so just get ready for that, especially since <laughs> I expect that, like, this team is going to, my understanding based on what you said about your colleague who was an uh, OSU grad, an Oklahoma State grad, was that, like, they just play this song, like, after every like first down third down sack completion touchdown turnover doesn't matter boomer sooner i asked him like hey i need some like anecdotal information for to share on the podcast tonight maybe you know maybe he'll even be like a quick four or five minute uh interview some point later on down the road just so we can get like a first-hand account of somebody who feels like it he was talking to me about oklahoma and it sounded the same way you sound when you talk about florida and it was gorgeous and i related to it so well 
but no, he just said that, yeah, pretty much they, like five minutes after we had already spoken, he came back and he was like, oh yeah, and let me talk to you about Boomer Sooner. They play it every single, like any, like anything at all, like first down, third down, like if they get sacked, if the other team gets sacked, it doesn't matter what's going on, like people are, you know, halftime, Boomer Sooner, they win, they lose, it doesn't matter. Well, you know. Boomer Sooner all day. Just gotta steal that land, homie. Um, (laughs) So... Let's. I think that's all we have, really, uh, content-wise for this episode. Um, we do need to do some reviews, uh, do some housekeeping and stuff like that, talk about Patreon real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah. So, Ba-ba-da-ba. yeah, we got uh, a few iTunes reviews. We have um, one from... So, should we do the good one or the bad one first? Uh, let's do the bad one first. Okay. <clears throat> so, we have one from JDub0214. And we made a commitment early in the season that we would read every single review that came through. And so this is exactly what we're doing. But this review is titled, Why Alienate 50% of Your Listeners with Your Politics? Question mark. It is one out of five stars. It says, I was enjoying the podcast as a source for good dog stats. But when you announce that you're a Democrat and follow it up with, quote, Democrats need to be as dirty as the Republicans, unquote, quote, start a coup, plan an assassination, unquote, <laughs> quote, everyone <laughs> cheats, unquote. That's a bit ridiculous. I'm Thankfully, really before announcing your obnoxious political views, you mentioned the Punt and Pass podcast and the Wait and Since Last Saturday podcast. These are also stats-driven, but with less personal biases and ignorant political opinions. Dog Nation Daily is a good one, too. With all of these choices, don't waste your time on Chapel Bell Curve unless you're a nerdy liberal. Okay, so, yeah. well, a couple of things. So, first... And I'm sure this person is not listening to this podcast, so it's like, you know, I know this is not really useful, but I hate to tell you this, buddy, but like, Will Leach is kind of like a well-known, he's kind of a well-known liberal political commentator, right? I mean, he goes on Bloomberg News, like he, like, I'm sorry. I mean, have you noticed that on Waiting Since Last Saturday, they always have to shush him? Like, we're in the South, they're not shushing him because he's too conservative. Like, I'm sorry, dude. But, you know, on a more serious note... I'm sorry. I just like, I think I'm funny and I think that line was funny. Um, <laughs> but and we, yeah, in a more serious note, I will say, you know, I don't definitely don't apologize for anything that has been said on this and I stand by everything I said and like, you know, I'm anyone who knows me knows that I'm definitely ready to get in a fight about just about anything at any given time. So that's fine. But I do want to say, uh, I do, I do, I will, I have tried and will continue to try to keep it you know, pretty apolitical here, not because that stuff's not important, which it is. I hate it when people are like, oh, well, that's it's not the place for this. Like, it's okay, when is the place for it? But I do think that this, you know, for a lot of people, this is a nice escape from sort of some of the things that they feel are horrible going on, um, whatever those may be. So I definitely want to make sure that everyone feels like this is a place where they can be safe and have sort of like a, an escapist listening experience. Um, having said that, if another Democrat l- wins in Alabama, I'm going to take a huge victory lap. <laughs> um oh no you know hold on i just i'm gonna take a victory lap right now okay so carrying on um your lap over <laughs> victory it was silent we cut it out it was just lots of me running around <laughs> screaming um but yeah all i have to say i we, we are very sorry if you felt uncomfortable and if we offended you that was never our intention you're welcome to your opinions and we are welcome to ours and yeah. i do take nerdy liberal as a compliment because that describes me quite succinctly well, I really place a, a high standard on personal hygiene, but in the sense that, like, am I a liberal who is w- willing to win at any cost because I've been an SEC fan for a decade? Yeah, that's that part's definitely true. So let's look, read the good news. <laughs> I think you heard me done. say dirty liberal, and I did say nerdy liberal. Nerdy liberal. Oh, oh, well, I'm also a dirty <laughs> liberal. 
<laughs> I was trying to trying to associate what you know hygiene had to do with being a nerd, but then you got into stats, and I was like, I don't think he heard me. Nerdy anyway. liberal. Well, I don't know. Have you ever have you ever been to like Dragon Con, man? Oh yeah, yeah. So I yeah, I mean, there, there's a connection. <laughs> and we hygiene. all get real stinky. It can be a problem. Uh, yeah. right, you, sorry, don't, you don't wash those costumes. Nobody yeah. does. No, you don't. I don't wash Why my would costumes. You? Use them. You wear them once. <laughs> anyway, we got another review. <laughs> yeah. This one comes from Dallas Dog. Dallas Dog ninety eight. It says one of the best Georgia football podcasts. Uh, started listening to Chapel Bell Curve midway through the 2017 season and haven't missed an episode. Love the combination of raw statistics and passion for UGA. And in parentheses, it says the Florida Ranch, Florida Ranch should be on a plaque to be memorized in perpetuity. Um, I live in Dallas, Texas, surrounded by Aggies, Longhorns, and Sooners. Speaking of, uh, this podcast is an oasis in the midst of dry Big 12 country. Thanks for doing what you do, and go dogs. We appreciate that. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Having I've been wondering been, where those... Having been a dog in exile before, like, mad <laughs> respect to Dallas dog. I have been... Uh, so we get to see all the stats from, like, who listens and where they listen. And um, one of those stats was coming from Texas. That wasn't the farthest uh, listener. We have one in Japan. Um, do we really? He's actually a patron. Yeah, we do. Yeah, he's a Patreon subscriber now, actually. We'll actually talk about him. Oh, is he really? Oh, my yeah. God. That makes me so happy. Our very first Patreon subscriber. You guys have heard us talk about Patreon a couple times now at this point. Um, just to give uh, another quick overview of what Patreon is, it's a super cool platform. Um, it's completely voluntary, and it's nothing that we're begging for or asking for, but it's just something that we've oh, announced. Oh, oh, oh. We are yeah. asking for it, but it's not like we're not begging for it. No, we're not it's begging a huge for difference. it by any means. No, but Patreon is a platform by which communi- uh, content creators and artists, and there's all kinds of different folks on here, not just podcasters, can go on this website and they can start a, uh, a page that then sets goals and uh, different pledge levels and allows people to contribute to it if they'd like to, to help this whole thing get paid for, essentially, because we do yeah. pay out of pocket to host our show. Yep. We spend our own time um, researching and editing and producing. And so it is a, uh, it's an endeavor of sorts. So mm-hmm. um, thank you to those that have subscribed and we do want to, we want to acknowledge all the new ones for sure. Yeah. And it, it's a tough one because it is real names <laughs> this is the only thing. So I, yeah, I mean, I've nobody been... else has complained so far. I mean, the, the, the names are public on the Patreon, I believe. Right. I think that's true. Yeah. 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 So Tom H, Chad T, Sam Rents. I'm saying his full name because he's one of the sousaphones. Sam, you're about to go to pharmacy school, dude. Why are you spending money on me? Why are you even spending $1 <laughs> on me, Sam? Sam, I, I really, Sambo, you're a good man and I love you to death, but come on, dude. You really don't have to do that. Stephen C. and Kyle M. all pledged in December. I actually don't know which one of these people did this, but one of the people who contacted us about this was actually the guy, uh, UGA the, the person who runs UGA Nihilist, which um, yes, it was. Apparently, apparently life is so meaningless that uh, he just was willing <laughs> to throw throw his meaningless money our way. It is totally Tom Harlow that lives in Japan. I'm pretty positive now. Well, yes. I'm, so, I'm sorry that we said we weren't going to say your last name, but we said it like six times. I said it a bunch. So, so sorry about that, man. But at least you're you're far enough away to where maybe people can't reach you. Who knows? No doxing. Don't don't dox our listeners. Um, don't dox Tom H. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. You can find basically anything else you want about us on chapelbellcurve.com, our website. We've got social media. We've got stats. We've got et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anything you want to know about Chapel Bell Curve. 
Uh, if you'd like to read along at home, so to speak, uh, with the stats that we use, you can get on footballstudyhall.com, which is Bill Connolly's website about advanced analytics, or you can get on footballoutsiders.com, which also has a huge compendium of advanced stats. Um, so pretty much any time that we're reading off some advanced stats, that's where they're going to come from. In particular, I want to point you to Bill Connolly's advanced stat profile pages. And if you just search college football advanced statistical profiles, football study hall, you'll find them. Uh, that's where a lot of our research and background knowledge comes from. So, you know, if you are like us and you like numbers, check that out. If you like what you heard today, please, you know, consider if you have the means to be becoming a patron on our Patreon. Uh, we cannot emphasize how much that helps and you know, we think that that is going to allow us to open up some new opportunities to do new things for you guys and not just to make things easier for us. So if you have the desire and the means, please consider doing that. And of course, as always, if you want to leave us a negative or a positive review, we'd be happy to read it on uh, our, (laughs) we'd be happy to read it on air as we proved today. Um, But I guess we will catch you in Pasadena at the beginning of the new year. But until then, we'll see you in the classic city and go dogs. Go dogs.